because I don't, I don't want to keep you over too late, because there's a lot in Genesis 1-1. But before we begin, I want to go to God in a word of prayer, and I want to lift one special young lady up that's really in dire need of, of prayers, and uh, uh, as we do, and pray about our, um, our minds being ready for the word of God in the lesson as well. So start it off, and then I'll close this out. Fathers, we go into this worship service. We've had, we've had wonderful song and praise. We've been informed of some things, and now we're getting ready to open up your holy and divine word. And as we begin to do this, Father, we ask in a special way for one young lady, and uh, you know who she is, and I know who she is, and the family knows who she is. She's struggling for her life right now in the hospital. Uh, Pray that you will be with her. Pray that you will help her with strength. From what I understand, it's it's a bad situation, but I'm going to put my trust in you that you are God that can do anything. Man, you said in your word, is there anything too hard for me? And I know there's not, because we're going to talk about some things today that you've done. But I pray if it be your will, that this will be something that you say, I'm going to show people I can do it. And I pray for healing, and I pray for help for this young lady. And I pray for her life to be turned around into a faith in you and to serve you because of what you're about to do. And Father, we pray your grace and blessings upon her and the family and And as we turn our minds to your word, we pray that our minds are clear, that we've prepared our hearts in prayer to you, that we want the Holy Spirit to be within us, and we want it to be able to make your word real to us. And we pray, Father, that as we discuss the first words in the Bible, that we will be amazed at what you did. And we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Genesis 1.1, if you want to turn there. I know it's a hard passage to find. Genesis 1.1, everybody lighten up a little bit. Let's, let's get ready, because this is going to be fun. Are you ready for some fun today? Let, let's have some fun with the Word of God. I mean, here in the past, we've talked about some uh, things about how God prepares the way for us and how powerful He is in directing our life and what He does for us. We've talked about holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we talked about then our response to that is for us to be holy unto God. How about a break? How about something that we can kick back and relax and, and just study something for what it is? And that's what I want to do with us today. In Genesis 1, 1 through 3. You know... The writer of Psalm 107 said this in verse 23 and 24. And I love this. He said, They that go down to the sea in ships and do their business 
in the great waters. They are the ones who see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to fish in some deep waters. Another place he said this, Proverbs 25 and 2. It's a challenge for all of us. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. But it's the honor of kings to search out the matter. The word for matter, to search out the matter, the word for things, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, is the same word as his word. It's devar. And whenever I was studying Hebrew, my little flashcard for that word said, word, matter, or thing. So in other words, what the writer of Proverbs was trying to get across is is that it's, it's the glory of God to conceal things within His Word. And it's the honor of us and of kings. He's made us a kingdom of kings and priests. It's the honor of us to search out His Word for those things. And that's what we're going to do today. So if you're there with me, Genesis 1 Let's read the first ten verses. I want to I wanna go that far with it today. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. That it was good. And he divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning was the first day. And God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide waters from waters. And God made the firmament. And then he divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning was the second day. And then God said, let the waters that are under the heaven be gathered together unto one place. And then let dry earth appear and dry land. And the gathering together of the waters. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. This is one of the most beloved passages in the word of God. And one of the most familiar. This is what we know as part of the creation that goes on through day seven. But really though. When we think about it. And we think we know it as Christians. We've known it for a long time since our little Sunday school days. Really, we've only fished in the shallow waters of this passage. It's time we pull up an anchor and let's motor out into some deep water. There's deep water covering the earth right here, isn't it? There's water upon the face of the earth. We're going to fish these deep waters out and see what it is. Genesis 1.1, to fish real deep, we're going to take a good look at it. And I know... That a couple folks always tell me, says, man, you like to give us new vocabulary words. Yeah, they're going to be real important this time. 
there's a reason why we're going we're gonna to do that, okay? So here we go. I want you to know that the first verse, Genesis 1.1, is the only verse that pertains to creation. All of the rest of the verses there in chapter 1 pertain to what I call creative restoration. Because day one, something's being restored upon creation. Day two, something. One, one is the only God instantaneously spoke the heavens and earth into existence. That's creation. Now he's going to tell us what he did with that and prepared it for man. Begins. In the beginning. I told him last Wednesday, that's not good enough. That's, that's close and it gives us the idea. But if we're going to really rightly divide the word of God, let's start digging in. There's no definite article here in this when it was God breathed by the Holy Spirit. That means the word the is not there. So what it's saying is, is in a beginning. And you say, Daryl, why is that important? Why do you even got to talk about that? Because I don't want people confused. Because it looks like God had a beginning and in the beginning he started doing something. God's eternal. God never had a beginning. He has always been and always will be. So this is not the beginning. It's the start of the heaven and the earth. But it is not the beginning for God. God has always been and God will always be. So that's why we're getting deep because we want to know these kind of things. And I want you to relax because this isn't going to be a test. I just want you to know the truth and the depth. But I want it to be a conversation starter just like this. Whenever you are with family and you're with friends or you're with someone and you need you feel the need to open up a conversation about the Word of God with them. Here's something that everyone's familiar with, and you can begin talking to them about what really happened. Hey, who, who do you think created the heaven and the earth? God did. Well, you know what He did? And then you can start beginning at that passage, talking to them and breaking the ice about God. So this is not the beginning because God's eternal. But this is the start of this thing called the heavens and the earth. Now, it says in a beginning then, God, our second conundrum. This is God in plural form. There's three members of the Godhead who's going to be a part of this creation process. It consists of three distinct beings that we know and has been revealed to us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, one of them is going to be revealed in verse 2 there when it says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. So there's where He is going to be revealed that He is a part of this God, this Elohim, that's a part of the beginning of things. The fifth word there is in created is the, what the work of the Son did, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who began the creation process after God the Father spoke that let's do this and he began the work of it. And you know me, I'm not going to tell you something and not back it up. John 1 verses 1 through 3 says this, 
And again, there's no, this agrees with Genesis, there's no definite article for the. In a beginning, in the beginning of the heavens and the earth, before that was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So this is not God the Father because this word was with God, beside of him. And it says he was God. Look at verse 3. All things, that doesn't leave anything out, does it? All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Again, this agrees The son is going to be the one who's doing the creating here. How do we know? Look at verse 14. Because it goes on to say that that word that was in the beginning with God is the one who became flesh and dwelled among us. Emmanuel, God with us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. So it is Jesus Christ, the one who is the Word and made flesh and is the visible personage of the Godhead, who's the one that started the creation process of the actual hands-on working of it. Without Him, there is not anything that was made that was made. Now, another scripture backs this up as well. Colossians 1 affirms that it was Jesus who was the active participant In this creation, when it says this, listen to the beauty of verses 12 through 19. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered you and I, that us there is you and I, from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of His Son, to be inheritance with the saints in light, in whom we, his dear son, have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, where he is the visible, the firstborn of every creature. Look at verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, whether they be visible or invisible, whether there be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of this body right here, His church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn of the dead. That in all things He might have preeminence. For it has pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. I want you to look at some of those things that it says there. The one that we have redemption and forgiveness in by His blood. He created everything that's in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. And when he starts going about thrones and principalities, he's talking about some invisible ones as well. What is it that we wrestle against? Not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. He created them as well. They serve him. 
They are not more powerful than him. They were created by him and for him. And then look at this word in verse 17. He is before all of these things because he is God. And by him all things consist. And that means by the word of his power that brought everything into existence. He continues to hold this earth together by the word of his power. And it consists until the time that he's going to say it's end. And this is finished. And the earth that we studied on Wednesday night is going to melt with a fervent heat. Now. This is the work of the first, fifth ver, word in that first verse of Genesis. But I got another slide for you. Because of his voice, his word that creates also holds together. Hebrews chapter 1 confirms that. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake. There's that word. The word of God. He spake in time past to the fathers by the prophet. Hath in these Last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he appointed heir to all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So God had the worlds made through his son, who being the brightness of his glory. Jesus is the revealed personage of the brightness of the glory of God and the express image of his person for us to see. He is now what? Upholding all things by the word of his power. There is nothing more powerful than the word of God. He says in the Psalms and the Proverbs, I have exalted my word above my name. The word of God is what holds everything together. And it's the most powerful thing that is. And it was creation. And he is now on the throne of majesty on the right hand of God as he sits there waiting for him to come and get his bride, the church. Ah, so now we go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. We've anchored in the deep water now, we're here. Verse 2 is deep water and we're moving there. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering or moving over the face of the waters. The earth was without form and void. Mm. The earth is fine. Hearts is there. But that word for was, that's like the latter form. What this word means, hayah, is to come about. To become something and then be it. So what verse 2 is trying to explain to us. That in a beginning God spoke and the heavens and the earth was created. But then the earth became something. Something happened that changed and began a transformation of the earth. Into being without form and void. It means it became something. Something came to pass. The first word, and this is where it's important because I want you to understand the next passage is going to use these words too and that's why I bring them out. The word without form is tohu. The word void is bohu. And they mean to become empty, desolate, a wasteland. 
God didn't create it to be that, but it became chaos and utter vanity. Now, if we're rightly dividing the word of God, and I believe that we are, then the heavens aren't spoken of here. Only the earth was now becoming something that it wasn't without recognition. And I'm being technical with these ancient words because now we're going to move on to Isaiah 45 to back up what this scripture is trying to teach. Isaiah chapter 45 beginning in verse 5 says this. And I put the first few verses here. Come on in ladies. We're in Genesis 1, 1 and and using Isaiah 45 right now. I put the first couple of verses here to show you that it's the Lord who is talking and speaking in this passage. Verse 5 of Isaiah 45 says, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, but you have not known me. That they may know from the rising of the sun from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, there is no one else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, and the Lord. See, that word for God in the first of Genesis was plural. When it says the Lord or Yahweh, it's talking about one individual personage. This is Jesus Christ, who is the maker of these things, the Holy One of Israel. Let's continue in verse 11. Thus saith the Lord... The Holy One of Israel and His Maker. Ask me of the things concerning my sons and the work of my hands. Command ye me. I have made the earth. I created man upon it. I, even my hands, stretched out the heavens and all of their host I commanded. And we laid the foundation knowing that this was Jesus from Colossians and John, right? So now he's saying this, but the word and the scripture that I want to really hone in on is verse 18 right there. He says, first, verily, thou art God that hidest thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. And then he says this, for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens. That was Jesus. We found that out in those earlier passages when we laid it. He said, God himself, so that explains that he's proclaiming himself to also be God. That formed the earth and made it. He established it. He set everything in order as he made it and formed it. And look at this. He created it not in vain. But then he had to form it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. That word For vain right there is our word tohu. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 that said that the earth became tohu and bohu. It wasn't created that way. And see here is Isaiah the great prophet's commentary that the Holy Spirit gave to him on creation. For you see the Bible is like a hologram. A hologram is a light reflected image that you can take a part of the piece of paper out and it will still give you the whole because of the way it's reflected. 
God didn't put everything in one place concerning anything. Jesus said, you can read in every page of here and find me. God didn't put everything about the creation in Genesis 1.1 and 1.2. Because if somebody tried to say, that's not a part of the word of God and yanked it out, it would be gone. But he places it all throughout the scriptures in various ways so that you will get the whole picture if you fish in deep waters and you search out the matter that he has glorified himself of trying to hide and place there. And he says right there the same word for he created it not in vain is the word tohu, formless, void. I did not create it that way. It became that way. And I am the Lord and there is no one else beside me. And I want to ask, who else was there as an eyewitness? Surely not science. Surely no man. So I'm taking the eyewitness word account that he is now giving as a commentary to Isaiah on it. He was told to write this and I am God myself. I formed the earth, I made it, after I've created it, after it became a waste, I now had to restore it back to something. It is underwater right now. It cannot inhabit life the way it is. He created it not in vain. Now, as we go back to Genesis 1, and we see that in a beginning, that God created the heavens and the earth, and it became without form and void. And then darkness was upon the face of that deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Question. If the earth was created, and then it became something, how long did that take place? We don't know. God hasn't revealed that, but we know that there was a time period. It could have been a short time. It could have been millions of our years. God times nothing to him. Maybe that's one of the reasons that scientists get so confused because he says in 1 Corinthians that even the foolishness of me is wiser than the wisest of the scientists. And I think he likes to do stuff just to make them chase their tail like a dog. No, no, the earth is millions of years old. Look, these... Fossils and this carbon dating and this. Well, if you rightly divide the word, he created it. And then it became something. And then he started restoring it. We don't get day one until verses three, four, and five here. We haven't started counting yet. He's already created something. Something's became null and void. There's waters on the face of the deep. And we ain't started counting. We don't know how old that is. But God... Likes to confound people. And he likes to hide these things in his truth. We don't know. Some people might also claim that this is where dinosaurs come. I don't know. I think that they were around because I see their bones. And it's talked about in a few places. David writes in the Psalms about the Leviathans. And about the beasts who could take down the trees of the cedars of Lebanon with its tail. So I think they existed and maybe even in some of the times that they knew about. But here's what I know. Is that there's deep water all around here. And the earth 
cannot inhabit itself and create life underneath this ice pack. And I'm waiting for somebody to go, what? Did he just say an ice pack? Yeah, an ice pack. That's where we're going next. Because this water is deep. It's covering all the mountains. Psalm 104 and 7 says this. Thou coveredst the earth with the deep as a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, and at thy rebuke they fled, and at the voice of thy thunderings they hasted away. That sounds about like verse 9 and 10 there, doesn't it? That God spoke and told the waters to go into their place, and dry earth appeared. So the water was above the mountains. The mountains, the highest ones, around 30,000 feet. So there's some deep water that we're fishing in. Now... What's on the face of this water there in that verse 2? Darkness. This is not just a regular darkness. This is a word that means a, a deep darkness that is not penetrated by any light. It's kind of like an evil darkness. The other time it's talked about is when God in the plagues of Egypt made a darkness that was so dark and thick that they could not move. They could not see a hand in front of their face. And for those days, those people sat because they could not move. It said you could feel the darkness. That's this word. Same word. Koshek. Now, if darkness is covering the face of the deep that's over 30,000 feet deep then because it's covering the mountains, the scripture says, what happens... When there is unnatural darkness in space, cold, there's no atmosphere on the earth to hold heat in yet. That's going to come in verses 6 and 8. We are not there yet. There is no atmosphere around these waters that is upon the face of the earth with total darkness in space. You get ice. From this, Job 38, we're going to back it up. Job 38, if you're taking notes and you want to read there this week. I'm going to start reading at verse 26, but it's verse 29. And throughout this entire chapter, it's the chapter where God came to Job when he was complaining and said, Gird up your loins and get ready to talk to me like a man. I'm going to ask you some questions. You're going to throw some stuff up to me. Let me ask you, Job, where were you when I formed the earth? Where were you when I placed the foundations upon it and I set the things in order? Were you there? Tell me, O wise one. And then he says this in verse 26. I caused it to rain on the earth where no man is, on a wilderness where there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and the waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Has the rain a father? Who begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who gendered it? Verse 30. The waters are hid as with a stone. And the face, there's that word that's in Genesis. The face of the deep is frozen. The face of the deep is frozen. Wast you there, Job? Or anyone when I created things and I made it frozen in an ice pack 
Science.com confirms this too if you want to go there and search for the stages of an eclipse. I did this two years ago when we were having talk of blood moons and a total eclipse then. And I started doing some searches and it came to science.com which is a NASA website. And this is what it says about stage 7 of a total lunar eclipse. And I am quoting from science.com. Before the eclipse, the full moon looked flat and one-dimensional. But during the totality, however, it will look smaller and three-dimensional, like some weirdly illuminated ball in space. Before the moon entered the earth's shadow, now here comes the eclipse, and this is just a shadow of hiding it from the sun. Before it entered the earth's shadow, the temperature at the lunar equator on its sunlit surface was about 260 degrees Fahrenheit. But since the moon lacks an atmosphere, and they highlighted that, by the way, I didn't. This is straight from there. Since the moon lacks an atmosphere, there is no way that this heat can be retained from escaping into space. As the shadow sweeps by, and when it's in the shadow, the temperature on the moon plummets to about minus 280 degrees Fahrenheit, which equates to a drop of more than 500 degrees Fahrenheit in only about two hours. So I want you to see that again. It drops just in the shadow of the sun blocking it. Not Koshek total darkness, because they in another one they'll say that total darkness of space is over 450 degrees negative Fahrenheit. Koshek, total darkness, space, no atmosphere, minus 450 degrees. Ice pack, because the world is surrounded with water. We don't get atmosphere until day two verses 7 and 8 of Genesis. So I ask you, what happens when the earth is covered with water and there's no atmosphere and there's total darkness? You get an ice pack around the world. I told you he's going to have some things to be able to converse with somebody and break some new things into him to teach him about the Word of God. We got an ice pack. Let's, uh, let's go back to Genesis 1 now. So now we know that the earth became without form and void. Darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God began doing something because of this. It says He began moving upon the face of the waters. If you've got another translation, a lot of them say it's hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God now comes into the picture. And the Spirit of God is always as a flame of fire in His messengers. What was above the apostles' heads that day of Pentecost whenever... Acts chapter 2, and the church was beginning. Flames as of fire. The Holy Spirit rushed in like a mighty wind. So here comes the Holy Spirit entering the picture. The earth cannot do anything about a lost, impossible situation. It cannot produce life, and it cannot help itself in this state. And it's always the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit, To come into the picture to prepare things for life. And for renewal of life. So now the Holy Spirit enters the picture. And that word for moving is rachal. 
And it's translated in Deuteronomy 32 as brooding. Because it's the picture of a hen or a large bird, an eagle, a buzzard, you pick. But it's a picture of her on her nest as she sits upon her eggs and flutters and incubates those eggs. It's the word for incubating. It's the word for heat. So the Holy Spirit began brooding, is what the word says, hovering, brooding upon the face of the earth and the deep. It's in the PL stem, and what that means is is the intensive stem, and I'll give you an example. If I want to get what few hairs I have trimmed, you would go get a haircut, right? That's like the regular stem. I got a haircut. If you got attacked by an Apache and you got scalped, that's the intense form of the word for haircut. That's what's happening here. It's the intense form of brooding and bringing this warmth and this thing that a chick does. What did Jesus say? How many times as he sat up there and looked down on Jerusalem would I have gathered you together Like a hen gathers her chicks up underneath of her, but you would not. The Holy Spirit begins brooding in a PL form, bringing intense heat, and begins to make liquid water from the ice pack. What happens after that? What's verse 3? What do you need then if you are incubating the waters and making them to become water liquefied instead of ice? What do you need? Light, heat, let there be light, verse 3. Now that we got this thing going and got it ready, let there be light. This is concentrated light, concentrated heat to keep the earth without its atmosphere yet until the next day to keep it warm and keep the waters flowing. Because if you'll look, it's not until day 4 in verses 7 and 8, it's even past what we read, that the sun, the moon, and the other light bearers are created. We don't get to there till verses 17, 18. This is not the sun or the moon. This is light from the presence of God with intense heat that's being brought about to take away the darkness. Now, let's recap as we get ready to close this thing out. Here's some things that we've learned today about creation and that we could share with people who don't know God and is a way of a conversation piece. God is eternal. This wasn't the beginning because he always was. It's it's the start of the heavens and the earth when they came into existence. All three members of the Godhead participated, the Father, Son, and Spirit. The Spirit, his job is the restorer. We're going to get that in a minute. Creation is only in verse 1. Everything else is restoration of what the earth needed to be for man. And Isaiah 45 when he says, I formed it and I made it so it could be inhabited. That's all going to happen in days 1 through 6. He's going to form it. He's from this, he's going to separate waters. He's going to bring forth land and trees and things and make it for inhabitants of man. It was not created without form and void. It became tohu. And then darkness and water and no atmosphere equals ice pack. And it was the job of the Holy Spirit to hover and to incubate like a big egg to turn it into water. 
So the rest of the restoration now can take place of the earth. So as the worship team comes on, makes their way back up. I want to make a comparison, an application between the world and us. Because the earth couldn't do anything about her situation, but she needed some help. She was covered with hardness and couldn't support life. The Holy Spirit intervened. That's the work of the Holy Spirit even in life. Did you know that? That's His work. His work is to come into us and to prepare us, our cold hearts, our stone hearts, that isn't supporting the life of the light of God. And it's His job to come in. Jesus said this about mankind is like a picture of that. He says, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to get the gospel message to you. In 16, John 16, verse 7, starting, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go. If I do not go away, the Comforter will not come, who is the Holy Spirit. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world. He will try to incubate it. He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Sin, because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the prince of this world will be judged. It's his job to get deep inside of us and to prepare us through this reproving that he does. John 3, Jesus said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5 of chapter 3, Except a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is made new again is spirit. Marvel not that I say you must be born again. And in John chapter 3 and verse 18, he finishes it off. Jesus does with this. He that believeth on me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So it's the Spirit's job to unthaw the heart of man, to convict us and prepare us for the word, for the belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Today, if you're here and you've never believed, if you've never been born again, I pray that the Spirit of God is working, is hovering over you, melting your heart, Allowing you to see the need of a Savior and a Lord in your life. And if you're here and you have believed and you have obeyed and you've done all of that. But you've strayed from the light. What happens when we get out of light? It starts turning cold on us, doesn't it? And and starts getting dark. If you've turned and you're veering that way, I pray that you will allow the Holy Spirit to begin working you back into the light. Back into the life that he wants for you. And then leading to eternal life with him in heaven on high. I pray that that will be working upon your heart this day. As we pray. Father we thank you. For your word. Oh it's the most powerful thing in the world. 
And you have said that you take delight, and it is your glory to hide these things within your word. And you give honor to those who try to ferret all of this stuff out and to figure it out. And Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit who reveals things and for all the folks who have been godly, men and women who have studied things and helped pave the way of knowledge through your Spirit to to help teach people your truth. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit has been here with us today and that he's working in our hearts and our lives, keeping us in the light of your love, in the light of your forgiveness, through your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. And we give you all praise, glory, and honor in his name. Amen. 